Hello, boomers, and welcome to the Meditation Daily Podcast. My name is William Renner, and on today's episode, I spoke with Sharon Rolfe, who is a behavioral scientist and spark coach teaching people how to find joy in retirement. To me, all this freedom of time in retirement is potential that's untapped. I spoke with Sharon about how boomers can find mental strength in retirement and the importance of finding a new spark. They feel authentic and energized and whole and are sharing their wisdom and uh, in meaningful activities. So thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sharon Rolfe. So Sharon, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, William. I look forward to uh, engaging with your audience and giving uh, valuable wisdom and tips for living in retirement. So um, what what got you interested in being uh, a coach? Well, that's a good question, William, because I I first ran across the possibility of coaching when I was still working at Boeing. And uh, something came across to my email inbox that said, um, sort of implied that Boeing was partnering with the community college in town to, um, in this course for teaching people how to be a coach. And as I got thinking about it, I was already at Boeing as an employee involvement facilitator. So I've always been, um, I love helping others succeed and helping them see themselves in light that they may not see because too often we're to culture our skin to be objective you know but so I was there I I called myself trying to take problem solving down to the lowest level and I feel in coaching I'm still helping people problem solve but um it's uh, I've decided to focus on boomers because uh when I left Boeing I as retired I was still going, I wanted to empower boomers to, well, there had been a, a um, myth going around Boeing that when I heard it, it just stabbed me in the heart um, that people didn't want to retire because they just knew they would retire, would die in three years. Hmm. Where did that come from? But then I, um, I did driving for a lift for about a year and somebody told me that was going around their work too. And I even um, took an uh, airline pilot from uh, Woodby Island down to uh, University of Washington. And he knew pilots that put off retiring because they figured the same thing, kind of, you know, that that's just starting to go downhill. Bring and you closer to death. I, wow. um, yeah. But one day I come out here to my patio and I, I struggled to get, get, keep one of my little pots of flour alive and all of a sudden it hit me one day if you aren't growing you're dying and it seemed like that plant was dying more often than it was growing I thought that applies to retirement too so so I coaching to me is a is a nice um transition into growing my career and uh what a deal you know pretty cool hmm. And what is and what is a spark coach? What do you mean by spark? Well, the first thing they taught us in coaching school, the very first weekend, was um, our essence statement. And I've kind of dropped the word 
essence because it's too nebulous. Um, people don't quickly identify with it. Where your spark, you you know, you've seen the spark in people that um, are doing a job that fits them like a glove, or um, kids that just are so gleeful and smiley and um, you, we kind of someplace in the in the past we knew we had a spark inside, and you know the mundaneness of living and you know put a roof over our head and going to work and coming home, kind of dulls us somewhat to um, to to want to hook into that that spark and joy of life again. So um, I what I do okay so when we learned our essence statement i made a wall hanging i used to have it on the back of my wall here and somebody advised me to take it down because it was i guess not professional (laughs) enough for their taste anyway but my my essence statement is i am precious jewel of wisdom i am colorful collaborator motivator and learner i am tranquil authentic and pure inspirer I light fires. And when I, I, I know one day I came and read my, my wall hanging three times. Um, you know, I, it's kind of bothered me. How do I know if I'm productive? You know, there's no boss to please now. And gradually I realized that when I lived from my essence, what was inside, what, you know, was given to me at birth, um, every day felt right pretty cool. So I want to, um, I want to help people uncover their, well, use their deep self-knowledge to create their essence and what I'm now calling inner spark statement. Because um, you just have a feeling you belong when you're living from what's true to you. Does that make sense, William? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um it's interesting to me that the spark thing, we, I guess we associate that with youth often. It's like when you're, um, you know, when you're just starting out in the work world and you're trying to find your spark of what you want to do or what you want to be when you grow up. But we really should be holding that energy or up, right up until the moment we die, I think. Like, how do you do that when you're, um, when you're getting older and when you're, um, when you're perhaps when your work phase is over like what is the motivation for finding a spark if not maybe it's not economic anymore um just yesterday um i was in a class and somebody was talking about helping people get off antidepressants sharon i think your spark would help people get off of their antidepressants I have a friend that uh, we used to be roommates, and um, she's been on antidepressants since her mom died, and I think that was like 15 mm-hmm. years ago. And I thought if if she could connect with that precious uniqueness that's inside of her that can um, give her unshakable confidence, um, then I think she... But I don't know if she wants to get off her antidepressants. So that's the mm-hmm. first question, you know. But I do know in the people I've worked with um, that in retirement, well, because you no longer have your business card 
and someplace here I usually hold up a business card. I see one, but um, you know, they don't have a title anymore. They don't have a team to work with. They don't have a task to get accomplished. Um, that goes away when you walk out the door in retirement. And mm -hmm. that people become either invisible in, you know, emotionally or bored or confused or lost. And I, that just kind of hurts my heart. Okay, I've been doing uh, some, well, on Instagram, I've created a queen of courage uh, name for myself. And um, I've started talking about how I chose to be invisible from a young age because that felt safe. There was sexual abuse in our home. And um, I figured if I got good grades and I, you know, was obedient and didn't rock the boat, you know, maybe that would keep me safe. And um, it did. I, I, you know, hundreds of times said, thank heavens he keeps his hands off me. But um, I don't feel like I became visible until I became a coach. Hmm. You know, that whole transformation process. So I want to, I, I identify with people who feel invisible. And, um, you know, making your day feel productive, uh, I identify with that. So, uh, and as a teenager, I loved everybody's um, potential was kind of my hot button, uh, both mine, you know, but uh, I, I loved bringing out the best in people. So, um, to me, all this freedom of time in retirement is potential that's untapped. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here to change the world, especially boomers, so that they can hook into their um, marvelous future, see themselves uh, as, a, as a success in the future, and... Um, they, so they feel authentic and energized and whole and are sharing their wisdom and uh, in meaningful activities. Hmm. The, um, the, the piece that you said about identity, I think, was, re was really interesting to me that, you know, so, so much of us identify who we are with our jobs. And, uh, you know, even as a young person, you might, you know, your job might not hold a lot of prestige and so you don't want to identify with it, but you there's a feeling like you have to. You know, one of the first questions that people often ask is like, what do you do? As if that defines who you are. So it's like so much of our life, I think, is um, built around this ident identification of like self-value with what we do. Um, so, yeah, that must be a huge challenge for for people who are leaving those careers and have finally come to a place where they either accept that identification with their work or they gain value from it. Well, yeah. And there is, um, you've probably heard the term re-engineering or reinventing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so a, a great way to start and I, and I kind of cover this a little bit in my book. I, I call my book kind of a do it yourself purpose book because I have all kinds of action items in there and resources to help you do it on your own, you know, do your own study. But um, I, a great way to repurpose your 
education and all the people you know and all the talent and all the different jobs you've had is to merge those all together in a you know on a a sheet of paper and say what's what do these things have in common oh and then maybe google all those words together (laughs) see what comes up you might be surprised one of my first guests on my podcast i did about three four years ago was um she she lived here in the Seattle area, and she she knew she needed to expand her heart, and so she created herself a year long community service project around the world. So mm-hmm. she would spend a month in twelve different countries, either um, well she wound up feeding baby lions, uh, riding elephants. Um, her favorite story was in the baboon sanctuary that she uh, volunteered at. And at the end, when she got home, she wrote a book about it, Smiling at the World. Hmm. So the, she, and she, but she honored that feeling of needing to expand her heart. Now she's got friends all over the world and is actually starting to create some uh, possibilities for, I think, junior hires. She's written a book. I haven't seen it yet, but... Um, she's now inspiring the generations becoming behind her, which I wanted to get a point with you that men often without that business card, they, it's like, I'm reading a book right now called strength to strength. And he said, there's from 20 to 40, 45, there's, you're using your fluid intelligence, but, but that wanes. And this guy was quite the trumpet player. I mean, tuba player. He wanted to be the world's best. But he kept realizing that the closer he got to 40, the cl- he was not getting better no matter how much he practiced. But mm-hmm. he, he got a, another degree. And then he said, there's, there's now um, recognizing crystallized intelligence that kind of takes you into your later years. And that's where you need to transform yourself into a mentor, a teacher, doing something that um, doesn't matter how good a tuba player you are, <laughs> that you're now right. maybe teaching others how to be that fantastic tuba player. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm just to the point in the book about, he says, this is tough and uh, you need to make new choices. But um, what spurred him to do this work was he's on a plane and the person behind him was, he was hearing this guy tell his wife he wished he was dead. And he said, man, I, you know, because he could tell, I guess, that they were an older couple. And, you know, is that my um, end <laughs> where life takes me? And so when he, as he got off the plane, he recognized this guy behind him. He was shocked that somebody so famous would, would, be in the position of wanting to die. And uh, even the pilot of the plane recognized this guy. So he, it spurred him to um, do that transformation that often comes with meditation and, and um, being re- willing to listen and uh, hear what's in your heart that um, he's now helping boomers with that transformation into crystal using the crystallized intelligence there's nothing about you that's lost when you leave your job that was your job you're still you what's inside and what are you what's building you into that stronger person and um this world needs wisdom doesn't it 
A hundred percent. I think that's really um, the, the the part about giving back and uh, you know doing volunteering and stuff like that and the crystallized wisdom, all of this stuff. Um, I think is so important because when when we're building a career, when you're younger and you're building a career, you have to be thinking about your finances and a lot of it, you know, just out of necessity might be more selfishly motivated. But for a lot of people, if they're retiring and they and they do have some type of um, economic freedom, then using that as an opportunity to really like give back, I think, can bring a lot of happiness. Yes, there's. um I often am picking up some free webinars or Zoom calls by Chip Conley. And he is, I, I think, in fact, I think he said he just turned 62 recently. Um, but the he has got what he has set up is Modern Elder Academy for people who are serious about making a difference no matter what their age is. And he's got some pretty brainy people coming on. In fact, the author of Strength to Strength was on there a month or so ago. And, um, you know, they're, they're ready to change all kinds of things. I'm, I'm so impressed with the brainy people he's got gathered in that, that group. And I don't know how, but he puts on training at, uh, in Baja area, um, I think uh, like every couple of months, I haven't been there myself, but I'm just uh, getting rewarded with just listening to what their discussions are. With coming close to retirement, the there's a lot of fear. I know a lot of people have fear around retirement and maybe that sense of losing purpose. How do you face fear? Um, when you're coming to those kinds of transition points? Do you have any advice for people on that? Well, the best advice that I used when I was, um, I probably had been kind of playing with the idea of retirement um, six to nine months before I did at Boeing. I knew my job was sort of coming to an end because that was my job is to empower people so much that they don't need me anymore. And, um, I had run a, a conference here through my church, and um, we put it on over um, six or eight years, I guess. So one year, the director would lead it, and, and the next year, you'd have one of us groomed to lead it. And so one of the years, I, I was the uh, chairman, I guess. And he told me at one point, Sharon, always have something else to go to before the big event is over. And I never did ask him, but I got the sense that he had learned the hard way that when there's a big event like birth of a child, you know, women often have postpartum depression. Well, that's what I got mm-hmm. the feeling he had experienced. And um, so I took that to heart. And I said, Sharon, what are you going to go to next after retirement? Um, and this email that came across my e- inbox was, uh, I think about uh, January, early January, and I retired in April. So, um, and I I did all everything I could to try to get Boeing to pay my tuition. <laughs> oh, they figured out, no, she's going to be out of here. We can't benefit from her having trained. But, hey, I stood up for myself and asked anyway, and I was proud of that. So that's 
that's a very good uh, piece of wisdom I would recommend to people that, you know, I think some of the other people at Boeing that I had, was seeing retiring, they had plans to move. I, one moved from Seattle area here down to uh, Baja. Um, they plan, you know, a trip around the world for a year or two. And, um, but what I've also found, William, is that there was people that want to volunteer steadily just I'm, I'm going to be around home I can I can volunteer a little bit every week but there's other people that want more seasonal volunteering they want to be going out and seeing their uh, kids or grandkids or their um, uh, trips that they've had their eyes set on for years and they would rather work like projects where they can come and go and I even read a very extensive article about um, these people that go and do seasonal jobs. There's like a sort of a city of them that they take their trailer homes. And um, uh, this article especially was following this group of uh, retirees that were doing seasonal work at, at uh, Win um, Walmart, in fact, and, and how they got the jobs and how they took care of each other in their little community of um motor homes, RVs, and um, some of them were doing it because they didn't have a retirement to, to uh, live on. And they had to stretch that Social Security, you know, but uh, others, they did it for having friends. There's an immense uh, equation, I guess, around retirement when you can't be in the house and be um, having that social action, interaction, and and without becoming depressed or isolated. Mm -hmm. Isolation is is pretty significant. And um, I, even though I'm an introvert, for all the Zoom calls I've been, I know one day I had four in one day, <laughs> and I'm not lonely at all. <laughs> But um, you you do need to plan, and that's one of the okay. So one of my guests on a podcast was um, uh, had been a president of AARP here in Washington State, and he came on with nine things you benefit from when you volunteer, and you're learning. You know, if a good volunteer place will teach you, they'll there's people you're interacting with. You're um, he he ran across his dentist that. Um, had no you learned his dentist knew like two or three languages and was quite a bicyclist he never knew that about his dentist but they were both volunteering and they um you know come across each other through that way so his his point was so organized in um the podcast i did and it's on um spreaker and if you put maximize retirement you'll find that podcast it's quite good what about just discomfort with this process? Like fear, I guess fear and discomfort are very closely related, but how, how is discomfort something that is can be helpful or be something that can teach us? Yeah, qu quite a question there. Um, I was just reflecting, uh, I guess as I was going to sleep last night, I had never let loneliness bother me. I remember I was, I was 
crocheting an afghan and it was a friday night and sharon you should be out there you know socializing you know you should be mixing with people and um you know that was kind of going through my head uh two three nights and and um i finally said i'm doing what i want to do <laughs> you know the shoulds are for other people and i just kind of kicked that loneliness um out the door and it's never bothered me but um the other thing that really made a big difference to me was um when i i moved from from seattle area down to tampa florida with my job and um the i was chewing on the the uh chapter one in Joshua in the Bible, where it talks of being a good courage, being a great courage, do not be afraid. And um, I started like repeating that to myself, you know, kind of in my spirit. And I, I think a couple of times I even stomped my foot. I refused to live my life based on fear. Well, mm -hmm. I didn't know hardly, I think there was maybe four people from here that had already transferred down there. And I, if I ever saw them, it was by luck, chance. And, um, so, you know, I'd sometimes go into work and I'd say, well, at home, I, if I needed to get such and such an item, I'd go to what, you know, the Ace Hardware store or something, you know, where do I find it here, you know, and where can I find an insurance agent or, or um, a, a doctor or dentist, you know, so the, it does take a lot of courage to ask for help that does not seem to get any easier in life. And um, that being vulnerable, I'm, I'm kind of looking around here. Oh, here's some of my art blocks that I, um, well, yeah, these aren't. Um, I have one that says worry is a misuse of imagination. Hmm. And so much of what we hear and see these days is all about you might, you could, you may need this medicine. This, I, I remember some ad came on about when you see your rheumatoid arthritis RA doctor, what happened to if? <laughs> if, not when. <laughs> I want to yell at him. So um, the, the thing about not worrying is it gives you mental strength. So the, the um, in fact, the, shortly, about the time I retired, I, I picked up a webinar out of the UK that was by Andy Shaw, and he was doing um, a series of five or six hour-long trainees teachings that week on mental strength, how to have mental strength. I thought, that sounds pretty healthy, and uh, I want some of that. So uh, I only listened the first day, but I, I would log in enough than other days to get his notes and put I, I made a file of his notes and um i used that when i got ready to speak in arizona here recently and um i i had gotten such a nugget out of that first day that i didn't realize where he went with his training but it was it was basically if you control your thoughts you can control your life that sounds pretty good, yeah. But what, what I got out of that first day is he said, when, when you're facing a tough meeting or going to meet somebody that you don't know how well it's going to go, or, you know, there might be some 
fireworks there, he said, recall to mind a warm memory. Hmm. Hold that warm memory for 15 seconds and then go into your meeting or your, you know, tough situation and it will go so much better for you. And uh, my warm memory had come from third grade and I had uh, done a good job of doing my part in the Christmas program. And at the end, um, a couple of ladies come up to me and told me that I was their favorite. I was a reader and I was their favorite reader. That made me feel so good because I had made put effort into being a good reader and nobody told me how to do it. I picked it up on my own. So after the webinar, I about a week or two later, I thought, well, I just have one warm memory. His warm memory, in fact, was um, he'd always wanted to fly an airplane. And um, his picture was in the back seat, a, a picture of his son, who he was giving a ride in an airplane to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what I didn't know is the next day he had said, well, okay, how many uh, emotions and feelings and situations put details into that warm memory? Well, I decided that I would make a list of what could possibly be warm memories for me a week or two later. And I was shocked that the list, half of them were in front of people. Had I been in the wrong career? Was I supposed to be an influencer? And, um, and I, you know, in my career, and because of that, aha, I went on to start seeing if I was, in fact, an influencer and started doing podcasting and then the Queen of Courage and now writing my book and um, acting as if um, being a speaker was what was destiny for me. So being um, having control over the mind, of course, like this podcast, I'm really focused on meditation. And I think that's that's so key. Um, and, and there's so many different ways of, of trying to get control over the mind and control over one's cat. <laughs> um, there, there, there are so many there are so many different ways of, of trying to get control of the mind and I think for me it's always linking it back to the body is is always really important and the breath and I, and I think stopping and having a warm memory it's also like when you do that we're also we're also taking time to like physically stop and stand still and our breathing will probably slow down and it's like I'm sure it has a lot of really positive effects on the body too at the same time yeah, to me, it's like savoring it for all it's worth over and over and over again. Because that energy of making your heart warm with, um, you know, a, a, something that really touched your heart, we can't, we often don't savor those moments. And I think that's what life is all about nowadays, is savoring what makes your heart happy. The thing that I do to <clears throat> control my thoughts, um, especially... I don't know what I did uh, at first. Like I say, I was kind of uh, chewing on the courage statements in, in Joshua 1. But now, I, as I'm going to sleep, I usually pray for 20 people individually as I'm going to sleep. And then when I wake up, I do the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. And that um, keeps me from worrying <laughs> or fearful of anything that might have happened during the day or what could happen. Um, I often will, especially in the morning, I'll ask, what do I need to know today? You know, what um, or how does God want to dance with me today? And, you know, that sets up for surprises. And um, it's just, and and if I, if I get um, to the point, like all the elections that was just happening, I, I just kind of um, like pray in the car or, or um, I, I think clapping my hands is a way to keep the good energy happening. And uh, especially in the car when there are so many <laughs> unusual situations that may come with other drivers or or surprises too. So. I, w- I was speaking with somebody on the last podcast and uh, she was mentioning tapping as being something that was really important part of her practice, just tapping on the body. And I think clapping is the same kind of thing. It's like bringing that attention oh. back into the body. And, oh, um, yeah. You know, it's kind of like waking. And I see a lot of, uh, there's socially a lot of people will do that too. Like just kind of wake wake each other up a little bit that way. You know, it's, it can be super helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we could speak a little bit about, um, about dreams. And once you do identify a dream, perhaps like at the point of when you're about to retire and you're you're starting to imagine like, what is it that I can do with my with my retirement or with the next phase like what is it how does one go about um taking action for those dreams i i know you mentioned something um as well about uh the mechanics of of the fulfillment of the dream or like somehow within the dream itself how could you talk about that a little bit well yeah let me this is my secret sauce here um that when you, I take people through a process of deep self-knowledge and the, um, so let's see, aspirations, that would be number four there. And so I've been recording every week a, a segment of that now, getting ready to put a course together. So um, we take um, nine categories, kind of what balances life, your career, your relationships, your um uh, creativity, your what do you want to be fame or known for? Um, but we, you know, we, like I said earlier, we often kind of get lulled into monotony in our careers in life and, and recalling what our dreams and goals and wishes are. That's a way of starting to know what was, what was important to you all along. Um, I'm trying to remember what I might have, uh, oh, one of my things I was uh, proud of that comes kind of in the, uh, things I've accomplished was I made a log cabin quilt. I think it was a queen size log cabin quilt. And I was just still a new quilter at the time, but I donated it to somebody that was raising money. And, um, that big project and then giving it away made me feel good in fact someplace I don't know where that picture is but my friend that I I get donated through her to her organization we draped the quilt over a 
um, table at a restaurant and and in fact had a a, um, background kind of like yours. So my quilt, which was the browns and cream colors, uh, just seemed like a perfect place for that picture and and fitting in with the uh, decor of the restaurant. It was just a very nice setting. So um, we, I think, in your meditation, William, have you savored how you are unique from everybody else and honored that? It hasn't been a focus, to be honest. I'm The meditation that I do is really um, particular in terms of just trying to bring the uh, attention back to the, the feeling of the breath. So with, the, with that meditation, no. But um, in my daily life, like in terms of thinking about what I should be doing with my time, especially now that I have kind of uh, discovered meditation and how, how can I best serve people? Um, I'm reflecting on that more, of course, like what are, what are my skills? What are my, um, what is it that's unique about me? A lot of it I think is history. You know, it's just, um, fortune or, um, you know, the random events of my life that have contributed, but having, but I'm trying to gain a, a stronger awareness of what are my skills and how can I use those? Yeah. So the, another step is, uh, and this is what I recorded on this week, was our values. There's like 50 or 60 values here. And does anybody ever ask us what our values are? But oftentimes, that's subconsciously what we are making decisions and choices from. Um, you know, integrity has always been important to me. And being responsible has been important to me. Um so whenever I am in a situation where I think somebody's integrity has been compromised, okay, let's move on. <laughs> you know, you, you make, um, you don't align yourself with somebody who has broken that integrity issue mm-hmm. with you. I have said, in fact, I remember two, three times at Boeing being, you know, I want you to take my words to the bank. <laughs> Count on it. It's as good as gold. <laughs> And um, not everybody lives that way, especially the last couple of years. So um, it's like we're almost assuming everybody is lying in some cases. Um, it seems, And so therefore we can too. But when I honor my integrity, um, life goes better. Um, you don't have to remember who you told what, you know, uh, where you broke your less than accurate honesty to people. Um, you can sleep better and um, your health is better. So so would you say that values then are like in order to kind of bring about the, the dreams or start to take action towards the dreams, like getting more clear on our values is the, is the, is the first step to that? Value clarification is is very significant. Yes. Um, so in my process, I I have anything that seems particularly important to you, you go through and and you um, give it a check mark, and then at some point we say, well, how how can you narrow those what's particularly important to you down to just ten things, 
And then we ask a few other questions kind of around hot buttons and um, what you're proud of. And we start saying, okay, of those 10, what would you say are your four core values? And what we, we don't realize going through life is that when we make decisions that don't align with those values, we frustrate ourselves. And, and probably uh, create a lot of stress or confusion. Mm-hmm. And when you're living in, in alignment with that, it's like, oh, yeah. In fact, one of the blocks I do have here, um, work and life synergy is where your energy you spend, you know, think about spending money. God, it's in a plastic bag, so I'm trying to get it out. Um, work and life synergy happens when you the energy you spend is an accurate reflection of your clearly held values and priorities. That's how important. Well, to me, that, that makes says, a lot of sense. Yeah, that I'm the same person out there as I am at home. Mm-hmm. That there's not split personalities, but With- um, and thinking of your energy as money that you spend. That's another interesting way of looking at that. Yeah. With the the meditation. Uh- morality is kind of like a foundation of of meditation and to be able to um, have integrity throughout your throughout your day and um, make right choices you know that are not selfish and the more that you do this the more that the mind is clear and you're able to meditate so in order to to um, to, to keep the mind balanced like having values and recognizing those values and then um, maintaining those values is like I think super super important yeah the first book I read that got me acquainted with meditation was Martha Beck's book the joy diet and the first menu item on her diet was nothing she wanted us to spend 15 minutes a day doing nothing but noticing our breathing or noticing thoughts passing through but don't you know just let them keep going but the the thing about honoring that I was just mentioning was when well that's when I started being still and listening and breathing there would be words of wisdom that would come to me oh yeah well, those little, still small voice um, needs to be honored, needs to be um, moved upon. You know, it's probably something that I needed to do. Or like I, I remember uh, several times while I was writing, well, as I was doing my podcast, I, I need a, a tagline. What, what would be a good tagline? And I just laid on my couch and kind of thought about it and was still and think, and the answer would come. So when those answers come to honor it and move on it, instead of just, Oh, that was, that was good. But yeah. So um, I don't know why honoring is, is something that's come up today that I, I haven't used that much um, in my podcast. Um. 
Maybe um, before we go, you can speak a little bit about your your book. I'd be curious to know more about uh, more about the book. Yeah, <clears throat> the um, the book is organized around the seven things that pe- people in general, public, um, want out of life. And so, in retirement, um, we can the the freedom that comes with retirement is the freedom to live from your heart where you might not have had that option in your job. I think more and more young people are looking for an alignment with their values in their heart, in their jobs and bravo for them. But um, in my generation, let me just tell you, I turned 75 this week. (laughs) I brag about it. Thank you. Um, we, the, after you've got, you know, you, you recognize that you've got your same education as before you left your job and your network of friends that you know over your jobs and all your talent and, and um, accomplishments, that's part of your formula. And someplace I have a, a uh, slide like this about purpose, but um, you also get to to that list of um, elements, your heart, living from your heart, and um, that's the part that I think your meditation hooks into is what's in your heart. So uh, I I organize my book around <clears throat> the seven things that pe- t- people typically want, um, and there's fame and there's uh, status and social network, social building your social network and um, accumulating resources or being generous with your resources. And in retirement, a purpose might even include um, working on your legacy you want to leave. And legacy can be money, but it also can be values and lessons you've learned that other people, Uh, your family can learn from. In fact, uh, I did a series on five things you must discover before you die. And that's the name of a book by John Izzo. So um, let's see. So purpose. Oh, the benefit of why you should have purpose. I should bring a a, a visual aid here. I posted it earlier this week on social media was um, an elder Elmer glue bottle. <laughs> Elmer glue is is the glue to retirement. Purpose purpose is the glue to retirement. And I wanted to use something that you know really hit home with. Um, you live longer. You have meaning, and you have fulfillment in retirement when you have a purpose. Nobody tells us we need a new purpose in retirement. Um, Off times. Um, your purpose becomes your kids and grandkids. Um, but there's 19% of us boomers that do not have kids. I've never married and never had kids. So that whole isolation thing, you know, is knocking on my consciousness um, significant because I've got to take control of my social schedule or it won't happen. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so chapter three in my book is 
I, I point out, those that you see living around your neighborhood that are living alone and no kids around, they especially are vulnerable to needing both help with changing light bulbs and getting their car started or mowing their lawn sometimes. And um, um, a lady I met uh, about four years ago, she's actually written a book called Solo Agers, where she she's in this category of not having kids and uh, neither is her husband. They're, I guess, a blended marriage. And um, But she started realizing that she needed younger people in her life to maybe someday, if she needed to get to the doctor and her husband wasn't home, who would help her? And her answer to that was joining a book club and meeting younger people that were joined by the love of their books and becoming like family uh, and, and comfortable enough that if they needed uh, help, they could call on a dear friend in a time of need. So uh, what else would you want to know about my book? Or, oh, oh, and the I have an appendix in the back. Of, uh, I made a list of all kinds of resources that are available. There are books and movies and um, websites. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very valuable resource, not only for doing the steps, but also like, oh, maybe I'll go explore um, what's possible with this website or two. <laughs> That's awesome. And what is it called again? Uh, my book is called Fresh Courage in Retirement, Finding Purpose, Essence, and Fulfillment. And the reason you need purpose is that you live longer, you're healthier, and you have meaning and fulfillment in your life because um, you're contributing. Oftentimes, purpose is outside ourselves, but it could be internal and ex external both. So, Wonderful. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is really wonderful. Thank you for having me, William. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sharon Rolf and that you have some new ideas about how to find your spark in retirement. Remember that it's never too late to start something new and that all of the skills that you've built over your life can be transformed and changed into something productive that will bring you happiness and happiness to others. If you're interested in more content like this, we have new videos every single week about mindfulness and meditation in daily life. So go ahead and subscribe to the channel and we'll see you next week.